companies that are doing make to print don't have their own engineers. They're relying on the customer's engineers and the customer's drawings. Okay, so basically what you are trying to say is that this is engineer to order without engineers. Is that fair assessment? Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Creating a software company by integrating several systems is not a new concept. Private equity has done it time and time again. But who would have thought of creating another Info or ECI when music has completely stopped for the private equity industry? Is the strategy successful? Maybe, maybe not. While the strategy might be successful, in the large market segment, these smaller products were created because of frustration with their larger peers. Also, the only reason mom and pop ERP vendors were successful is because they were willing to put in the sweat equity that none of the larger companies would. So how can private equity companies be successful in the smaller segment by simply changing the branding and providing an integrated experience? And where does Adventive stand in its capabilities and how does it compare with other ERP, WMS and MES vendors. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Advantive's capabilities. We covered many grounds including their evolution and roots as well as their corporate strategy. Finally, we covered different products and acquisitions in their portfolio and their unique strengths. With that, Let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently. And for today, we have a new vendor. It's a new name in the ERP WMS, and they have MES as well. So they are all over the place, I guess. It's called uh, Adjantev. Um, so we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my quick intro. Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Andy for his intro. Thank you, Sam. My name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved in ERP software for manufacturers all my life. I've worked all over North America, and I actually uh, wrote a book helping companies how to uncover the truth about ERP software before they buy. Looking forward to the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, being here, Andy, and uh, you must be fresh. Uh, You know, after your vacation, I think you missed a couple, or maybe you did not miss. I don't know if he hosted or not. Um, I didn't bother. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> I, I, I was uh, sitting on uh, sitting on a beach. You don't care for these sessions anymore, I guess, when you are sitting on a beach. And I was thinking that maybe you'll be thinking about ERP, but you do not. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we have been conversations for two weeks, right, Andy? <laughs> well, actually, I put together a proposal while I was down there, but it was instead of doing it in one day, I did it over two weeks. So I think you are fine making money. That's how it sounds like. As long as uh, you are whatever. making money, then you yeah. can you can have ERP conversations. Just, just trying to make a living, Sam. Just trying <laughs> to make a living. to make a living. I like it. I like it. All right, so let's get back to Ramchev, I guess. Um, so this particular one is very interesting, Andy. And I don't know if you know the background and history about them. So I'll start with the quick briefing and obviously we'll go through the slides. So this is a very similar story, I guess, uh, very similar to your, I don't know if we should be comparing these guys with Epicor, but Infor, most certainly Infor, I would compare them uh, with Aptin. ECI is probably going to be a similar comparison because they all are created by private equity. They have very similar business model. Their goal is going to be, and probably, I mean, I, I missed the, exactly. I missed yeah. the fourth one, which is going to be, I mean, we did not review them so far, which is going to be Constellation software. So we mm. have Infor, Aptin, again, ECI, as well as Constellation. So the approach that these companies take is, and these are like massive, massive, massive uh, private equity companies. And Andy, one of the most interesting thing that I like about this particular acquisition is, uh, if you look at the market right now, especially after COVID, uh, as you know, private equity was fairly silent. I mean, they didn't want to make any sort of risky investment. Uh, but right now at Dantev, I mean, they are born uh, in 2022, can you believe? And this is a very similar approach as in for ECI. You would think that, you know, maybe in 2023, somebody would think about consolidating these ERP vendors, not in 2023, but, then, but it's happening even today. So somehow these guys are definitely thinking that they can make money out of it. And that's why they are investing so heavily in this. But the approach is very similar. The approach is going to be, and Andy, you might be familiar with this, right? So the approach is going to be, do not make any changes to the product. Okay. The maximum that they are going to do is they are going to buy many different point solutions. They are going to integrate. In some cases, that might be ERP. Some cases, you know, they are probably MRP. They are pretending to be an ERP. Uh, and then they are trying to combine a lot of different solutions. Uh, PLM, uh, your a little bit of, uh, you know, MES capabilities. Uh, in this particular case, this is slightly interesting because they are also combining uh, SPC and quality management, which is very unique in general. Uh, in general, that particular space was very siloed. Uh, but now they are trying to combine the whole SPC game as part of the ERP WMS TMS fold. So obviously, this is a much thicker solution. They are going to have much deeper capabilities overall from the industry 4.0 perspective. Uh, but this is a very, 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 very interesting uh, mix. So again, overall, from the corporate strategy perspective, uh, what they are trying to do is, number one, they are going to create really fancy marketing. And if you look at right now <laughs> at this company, they are one of the best at marketing. Okay. So wow. if you if you want to compare overall marketing effort of ERP vendors, I would say these guys are probably going to be number one. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. They are that good. Obviously, Epstein is very good at marketing. There's no question about that. Um, Epicor has always been the best at marketing. Uh, they're they are pretty okay. good. They are okay. In my mind, I think their product is really good. I mean, they are really good at sales. I'm not too sure about marketing. Oh, uh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, these guys, like, they are professional marketers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like, 
as if you are creating a CTG brand. Uh, it's that good. Yeah, it's that good. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, so obviously their approach is going to be, hey, just you know, invest a lot in marketing, create marketing branding impression so good that I mean nobody really pays attention to the product, I guess. But their approach is not to invest in the product. Their approach is going to be to get the professional services dollars. Uh, for the most part, they are keeping it internally. They are not going with the bar channel. Um, some of the products that they have in portfolio. And they were very channel centric. I don't know if they changed their strategy. Uh, I think they will because this is a very similar go to market strategy as your Aptine or ACI, the way they are operating, including Constellation. Very, very, very. Um, so one of the changes that they are going to make is going to be marketing, as I already pointed out. The second is going to be integration consolidation. So they are going to be acquiring a lot of products uh, in general. That's how these companies are built. No product changes, you know, support is probably going to change. So that's what we are going to hear a lot. And this is coming from our live interviews with a lot of users. Uh, they are definitely struggling with support. And we have some validation in these slides as well. So whenever private equity acquires uh, any of these companies, the support is going to change in general. Um, so we are going to discuss that. So overall, I guess, uh, you know, in terms of the market positioning and briefing and the so these guys are positioned in the lower distribution and manufacturing market. My take on their target market is going to be they have very similar market segment as your ECI. Uh, that would be my take. So much lower than Epicor, obviously much lower than Infor. So uh, a tier two, uh, tier three, pardon me, type of a system. Tier four-ish, five-ish, I four-ish. would say. Four-ish, wow, down yeah. there, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a very interesting approach. I don't know whether it is going to be successful or not. I mean, in that market segment, it's already very, 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 uh, you know, lower down in the market. Um, and it's very hard to make money because you don't have a lot. The only reason why mom and pop are yeah. successful in that space is because they are putting a lot of sweat equity. Well, um, not yeah. only that, you got to sell a lot of volume to make a living. Uh, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, the private equity is thinking something there. Uh, but this is a very interesting approach, um, to be completely yeah. honest. So that's uh, from the briefing perspective. I think we covered competition. We covered, uh, you know, go-to-market strategy. Uh, from the technology perspective, I really don't know if they are going to do any sort of innovation there for the most part. They would not be rewriting the product. It's very, very, very rare uh, that these companies would be rewriting the product completely. Uh, Aptin does not rewrite any of, uh, you know, their products they are going to make minor tweaks because that could get very expensive as well. The only reason why they are acquiring these companies is because they have that five-year time horizon and creating, you can't create software product in five years. <laughs> There's no way. The only thing that you can change is probably marketing and a little bit of integration. So that's what private equity in general is thinking. Yeah. So that's it from the briefing perspective. Andy, do you have any any comments? Or no, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, perfect. I, I've heard of Constellation before. Constellation has like 500 companies right now in their portfolio. Oh, that, that it is. Okay. Yeah, and they are really, really small. Uh, they don't even like to call themselves as ERP, to be completely honest. Uh, they like to call them as the vertical software. But, I mean, they are all very mom and pop ERP. Some of them are very mom and pop ERP that they have acquired. Um, yeah. 
but it's a massive company. Okay, so let's look at the slides. So overall, from the industry perspective, some of these industries are very unique, and some of these products were very, very well known in their spaces because of the unique functionality that these products had. For example, DDI was a very successful distribution one was a very successful product as well. And that's why they are going after all of these products. I mean, they are probably going to have 3,000 to 5,000 installations, I guess, um, you know, most of these products. And some of the industries that you are going to see here are very, very, very special and unique because they require very unique functionality. Um, well, pretty diverse, actually, if you look at that column on the left. Eh? Uh, you mean industries? Yes. So I guess this industry is going to be the combination of both of these products. So distribution one was present in certain industries, and we have a slide for that as well. DDI was present in certain industries. So DDI, uh, in my mind, was, I think, janitorial. You know, this is distribution one is more of the fast, fastener distribution-centric product, right? And some of the features that they had were very, very, very unique. So we'll talk about that. Then they have Viracore as well, which is a 3PL software, which is a very unique positioning. Typically, you know, that would be for organizations that are very 3PL centric. So it's a very interesting mix. Uh, you know, typically you would not see a 3PL, uh, you know, getting mixed, I guess, with the ERP software. Uh, for the most part, if you look at some of the other 3PL software, for example, let's say if you look at Iskubana, I guess a 3PL ended up acquiring them. Uh, you know, because again, that's a very different target market and the market segment compared to your manufacturers, distributors, but these guys have that. So again, it's very interesting. Um, what else they have? Um, so this is just for the distribution. Then we are going to look at the manufacturing as well. Um, okay. I don't have anything else here. So I'll go to manufacturing and for manufacturing, they have a lot more. So, uh, you know, they have all over the map. All over the map, um, you know, they have advanced wear, which is in my mind was the packaging. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the it's a ERP solution for packaging uh, mm -hmm. industry. Infinity QS, one of the most leading uh, product out there for SPC, um, yeah. you know, real time quality for QMS yeah, systems. Yeah, Infinity QS was leading vendor. By the way, they combined not only Infinity Q, uh, QS, but they also monopolize that market win spc is the second product you know from the similar market okay so now both of them are part of the same portfolio wow. <laughs> so not only they are going to have a follow-on strategy where they are going to either sell infinity qs or win spc first and then they are going to follow on with erp that's one tie uh, but then obviously uh, you know they are going to have a little strategy called uh, just selling the siloed software just to penetrate the account site. Uh, so they have both of them there, right? Um, then they have the Kiwi plan, which is very interesting, Parity Factory, which is WMS plus M MES combination, which is also very interesting. And sometimes when you look at these solutions, I think they are all over the map, uh, you know, with respect to their architecture, because they are trying to play multiple roles. So it could be very confusing when you are trying to create an architecture based on all of these products, uh, but I think they acquired for the market share, I guess. Uh, the PQ systems is very interesting as well. Um, so that's a SPC and gauge software for manufacturers. And for the most part, I think the way these guys are going to position these products, what they are going to do is, I don't think they are going to position all of them in the same vertical. So for the most part, I think they are going 
creating suite or bundle the way aptin has done the way uh, you know in four has done and one BCI. of them is going to be exactly going to be positioned for each of those market verticals yeah. so that's their approach um uh so here from the manufacturing perspective and it's a very if you look at yeah, the under your solutions they've oh i'm sorry the second one was the quality cons- i thought it was two spcs there sorry which one is quality the, the, the under solutions the, the two last rows says disco or spc and sqc i didn't i thought it was both spc a mistake yeah, uh no 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 i mean sqc is is definitely i mean that's a different term and there were some products that actually focused on the statistical uh you know quality control uh so Infinity QS, in my mind, was really deep into all of the processes, and even this process gets very deep. Uh, I don't know what uh, capabilities WinSPC had. They had very large accounts as well. And we are going to see some of the case studies. Now, everything is sort of part of the same fold, so they have consolidated all of those case studies. So sometimes it could be confusing as well that, okay, you are looking at a very large logo, but the only thing they may have done in that account is probably Infinity QS. Uh, not the complete install. So it could be very misleading for the customers. Um, so overall, I guess, I mean, if you look at their, uh, you know, customer journey from the website perspective, it's going to be very similar to Aptin. In some cases, when we are reviewing and the Aptin, I don't know whether you remember or not, if you go through them, then you are going to have suite. In some suite, you are not going to have any sort of ERP. In some cases, the only thing they are selling is WinSP. So yeah. be careful when you look at these industries and the journey. It's very smart marketing, but you know, as a customer, you need to pay attention, I guess. Okay, so this is coming from 2021. So this is their press release. So here they are talking about distribution one, provider of the ERP1 enterprise resource planning software for wholesalers and distributors and the UBS, universal business systems, developer of the synergy suite of ERP business management software have entered a definitive agreement to merge their business under the distribution one company name. That's how they were created in 2022. And I think TA was the private equity, which is very large. They were the one who actually created this. And now you have inside partners involved in this as well. So again, massive, massive forces are behind this company. Um, So here, distribution one was focused on the food service janitorial um, you know, sanitary uh, supply, fine paper, and these industries are very similar overall in their capabilities, as well as the packaging industry, but they have another product for packaging as well. They acquired lately. So for the most part, for janitorial, I guess they are going to be positioning the DDI product, food service, they are probably going to be positioning DDI product as well. Uh, but for the other, uh, you know, industries, they are probably, uh, you know, positioning the um, distribution one product, I guess. Uh, and for the distribution one, they have the fasteners, industrial supply, then they have specialty tool and hardware, construction, electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. They are slightly different, but they are positioning those as well. But for the most part, fasteners, you know, industrial supply, specialty tool and hardware, they had very, very, very similar needs in general. Then they had, they were also positioning this for Jensen, but now I don't think they are going to position that, you know, for that. Uh, because they have a unique product just for that now. And then they were doing a lot of, uh, you know, retail fulfillment. I don't know how much they are doing now. Medical equipment and supplies, that's probably a not as great fit. Paper and packaging, food service, automotive, and more. Okay, so some of the things that I want to highlight overall when you go through this transition from mom and pop 
and all of these products were very mom and pop to now private equity. So number thing that you are going to experience is overall, it's going to be a huge transition. The way mom and pop companies operate is very, very, very different mindset, uh, you know, from how private equity owned companies are going to operate. One of the, ch um, you know, change that you are going to see is, you know, they are obviously going to do nickel and dime because they are, you know, trying to maximize the profit and they are trying to maximize their return. So the support model is going to change. You are not going to see as much comfort that you will get from your mom and pop shops just because they are putting a lot of sweat equity in general, you know, when they are going to be founder owned. So it's a very, very, very different experience. So overall, I guess, um, you know, when you are going for the larger solution, it's always easier to go for the consulting companies because they are never going to be as big. Uh, but, you know, when you are going for a smaller solutions, the mom and pop is probably a better choice. And the reason for that is because you are going to get far superior support. Mom and pop owned by private equity. I don't know if that's a great combination in general. Uh, and customers suffer because of that. Um, and you will see that in the reviews as well. Uh, no longer the same support or training. Uh, it's going to be very commercialized. So you are not going to get, you know, that kind of support. And obviously the reason why you are going for these solutions is because you didn't have uh, a lot of money for your implementation support. That's why you wanted to go for these products. But now it's going to be really bad, um, you know, overall from the support perspective. The existing customers pushed for the additional revenue. That's a very common trend, um, you know, when you have this transition. So make sure you are paying attention to that as well. Uh, and if these companies don't really have a consulting base, meaning the only thing, only support or the implementation that they have is uh, direct, then obviously you are going to suffer a lot uh, because you are not going to find a lot of consultants that can help you, um, you know, you're stuck with them. So just some points to note uh, overall with this transition. Uh, this is... Uh, you know, coming from their case study and we are trying to highlight, you know, uh, how different solutions are going to be positioned. So let's say if you are going to be in the janitorial uh, or uh, Jensen space, then most likely they are probably going to be positioning DDI. And that's how their customer journeys are presented right now. If you pay attention to the fine lines, then they are trying to position DDI. So even though you might see some capabilities as part of your distribution one product, but those capabilities might not be included in your space because they are trying to position a very, very, very different product. So make sure you guys pay attention to the fine lines. Andy, I'm going to pause there. Do you have any comments or any chance? No, that's, um, no. Let's see some more. Okay, perfect. Um, so here, this is the packaging vertical for packaging. They are going to be positioning the distribution one ERP. Then you have the fastener. Fastener, they are going to be positioning distribution one ERP. So most likely when you are talking to them, if you are fastener industry, you are going to see distribution one. Then we have restaurant supply. Restaurant supply, they are positioning DDI system because again, restaurant supply has requires very unique capabilities. Uh, and uh, obviously DDI is positioned there, even though in the past, even distribution one may have sold to restaurant supply, but now they are not going to be selling anymore. Then they have the packaging. For packaging, I think they are positioning the advantage uh, where, and that's a very unique solution for packaging. And packaging gets very unique as well overall in terms of the capabilities. That's why they have different ERP for those verticals. Then when you look at which one is this? The food and bab. Okay, so for food and bab, even though they are going to be listing 
uh, industry, but they don't really have ERP capabilities uh, for food and bath. The only thing they have for food and bath is their SPC software, which is uh, Infinity QS. Yeah. So Infinity QS was very strong in food and bath, um, you know, bot lane. The iceberg. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but there is a chance. I mean, Andy, we can probably smell here that they are going to be acquiring more products and most likely they are probably going to acquire the food and bath ERP as well. Fill in the gap. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, then they are probably competing with Aptine. So right now, yeah. if you look at their positioning, uh, you know, they are competing in Fastener. So the only company that is there in the Fastener industry is probably your um, Epicor does some business there. Epicor definitely is there. I'm pretty yes. sure, Andy, you have done some business there as your Info Visual. Uh, uh, the Sideline product, probably more so. Uh, but more, more long run type manufacturing. So this is not manufacturing, right? So fastener oh, is distribution. yeah distribution, yeah metal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Epicor would be there. I'm not, I'm not maybe another Infor product, not not the ones that I've. Yeah, so I don't know. So let's go back to the manufacturing slide. I guess I don't know if they have a real. ERP product for manufacturing. So the only probably manufacturing product they are going to have is the yeah. uh, advanced wear. So Quickie Plan is probably some type of an APS system, I would guess. Uh, we had notes for that as well. So Kiwi Plan. It's not Quickie Plan. Oh, Kiwi. Kiwi. Oh, yeah. Kiwi, like Australia, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so like New Zealand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Kiwi. Yeah, you are probably there. So that is the manufacturing ERP software solution. So Kiwi Plan is also ERP. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, but based on their positioning, I mean, they are more distribution, less manufacturing in my mind. Yeah, I see uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why their right comparison, and I don't know where ECI is positioned. ECI has ECI has a lot of distribution products as well, right? I mean, they have Macola. Uh, which is, yeah, ECI has Makola. They have a lot of manufacturing. Um, okay, I cannot keep up anymore, I guess. Uh, so where are we? No, hold on. So right now, okay. So we were on this one. Uh, so we already covered Jensen. The industrial packaging, they are positioning distribution one. Then for restaurant supply, we already covered DDI, ERP, Fastnet, distribution one. So this one, this is the slide that we were on. Then they have the automotive or A&D, but even for that, they don't really have an ERP. For the most part, the only thing they are positioning is uh, Infinity QS, um, you know, software for those. And Fastener, they already have the distribution one. Uh, we already covered that. So now some more commentary uh, from their press releases, I guess. So this is the Adventive, a mission-critical software provider for specialty manufacturing and distribution businesses. Again, very similar strategy as Aptine and for ECI. Announced today that the acquisitions of Datanet and PQ systems. Okay, leaders in the statistical process control, SPC, manufacturing quality and gauge calibration software solutions. Okay, so the goal that they are highlighting is with the addition of Datanet and PQ systems, we are delivering on that promise and offering our customers more choices than ever before. In my mind, I think, Andy, and you can correct me if I'm off here, this is a very similar acquisition as Epicor acquired one more MEA system. What was yes. the name of that? What I, was the name of that? I um, know which one you're. I know what. I know the one you're talking about. I can't believe your name. Yeah, the new acquisition. I think they did. Yeah. Um, that could actually integrate with these smaller tools. Earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were at Automate. Uh, I don't. I'm skipping the name. Uh, 
Um, but I mean, this is a very similar acquisition, I think. Uh, who has did very similar acquisition? I think IFS did very similar acquisition as well, even though they are not as strong, I guess, in manufacturing. So they are talking about the acquisition. The acquisition came on the heels of Advantive's founding in June after merging six industry-leading brands, positioning Advantive to be a leader in the ERP, MES, and SPC space. Again, SPC is a very interesting layer. MES is a slightly interesting layer. A lot of companies have tried to in- integrate MES, but nobody has really deep capabilities in the industry 4.0. But I mean, they are sort of all over the place because they are into distribution, <laughs> but then they have they are very deep into the industry 4.0 as well. So yeah, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, so now, obviously, they have acquired like what 2,500 logos. This is I think not right now their customer base must be like 5,000. So you have created this massive brand by consolidating, you know, I don't know, maybe 25 different companies, I guess. It's very, very, very interesting model. So new ERP company led by private equity through consolidation strategy, major investment in the industry for zero assets, uh, creating much more robust offering. So that's what they are trying to do. By the way, overall, in terms of our strategy, I guess, so this time, I mean, this is more of the generic uh, overview of Adantive, uh, but we are going to be reviewing their all of their products uh, lately. So this is uh, sort of the generic overview, and then we are going to be capturing every single ERP SPC uh, solution that they have there in, in, uh, in uh, their portfolio. So just keep an eye for that. Uh, if you're looking for very specific commentary on those products uh, and the specific strategy. Uh, so here, this is coming from 2023. So obviously, these developments are very new overall. So here they are talking about growth capitalize, recapitalization led by a group of investors that includes uh, Insight Partners. So uh, Andy, and I don't know whether you know Insight Partners or not. Insight Par- Partner Partners is one of the massive massive private equity uh, mm-hmm. they have companies such as commerce tools in their portfolio they were involved with aptine as well um, you know at times i don't know if they are a current investor or not but they have a lot of hot companies in uh, in their portfolio but they are also acquiring a lot of legacy companies in their portfolio so which is very 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 interesting strategy inside partners as well as oa private capital so opac so Adentive uh, was formed in 2022 by TA Associates, um, and TA is involved in a lot of different DRP companies. I think they were involved in IFS, if my recollection is right, uh, but they are uh, either uh, you know part investor in a lot of different companies, uh, or they might be majority investor. So again, TA is very active in the ERPs. Now, TA remains the largest shareholder of Adentive and is also reinvesting in the company as part of the recapitalization. So as part of recapitalization with Insight, they are still very heavily involved in that. But now obviously they have increased the valuation by consolidating all of these companies. So that's why Insight is excited about it. So this one, Dante provides purpose-built software to more than 5,000 customers. Within two years, they have created 5,000 customers <laughs> just through consolidation. Uh, you know, uh, that's genius, right? Um, now, manufacturing and distribution lifecycle, including plant scheduling, order management, sales order forecasting and pricing, e-commerce and delivery, and obviously they are big into e-commerce as well. You know, they are trying to create that integrated experience just like ECI. ECI is very, very big into e-commerce. So obviously these guys are going to be super, super big into that as well. Okay, I don't have anything else. Now, this is also coming from 2023. So they have acquired one more, and this is like, 
two months back, I guess. And I don't think anybody else was acquiring back then, but they have acquired, uh, announced today its acquisition of Pro Planner, a leader in product lifecycle management. So now they are trying to combine PLM as well, which is very similar to your Infor app team. They both have PLM integrated as part of their suite. Um, ECI, if my recollection is right, I mean, they have some manufacturing product, but I don't know if they combine, uh, they go for any complex manufacturing. Probably not. Uh, so they typically don't integrate PLM. I think their strategy is slightly more focused on DTC brands, lighter manufacturing, etc. So that's why they probably don't have PLM. But these guys are going into very deep manufacturing, very deep distribution as well. But this is a very unique combination. So here they are saying Pro Planner is a leader in PLM plus MES. Can you believe PLM plus MES? That's a very, very, very interesting mix. And in my mind, I think the architecture is all over the place, <laughs> to be completely honest. Why would he combine PLM and MES? Is, it, so Pro, Pro Planner combines PLM and MES? That's how they were positioned in the market. And sometimes these hmm. companies, what they like to do is they are going to be all over the place because they have to sell it, right? But then... I remember Pro Pro planner, pardon me, um, but I, I always thought it was more of a, a planning. So, <laughs> so I don't know where you draw the boundary, I guess, Andy, right? So, yeah, guess, yeah. Um, so where would you keep planning, I guess? Is it part of your MES? <laughs> I mean, MES folks are definitely going to argue that, hey, 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 <laughs> planning is all MES. You ERP guys, you don't know how to plan. <laughs> so it could be very religious argument but overall i guess in my mind at least architecturally speaking plm is supposed to be slightly more engineering um, you know product development function and yes it is going to have a little bit of quality it's going to have a little bit of procurement yes it does interact with production a little bit but again that's not your operations that's not your production <laughs> okay so yes the mes is going to be interacting with plm but the interaction is very light. The MES is supposed to be the core execution function. Yes, the MES boundaries are going to be overlapped with PLM as well, but for the most part, MES is very execution-focused function. <laughs> so in my mind, I think it, this is all over the place. Now, as the only assembly-focused PLM system available in the market today, and that could be right as well, Assembly is a very interesting function, you know, leading names in aerospace, automotive, agriculture, construction, assembly line, manufacturing, generate detailed work instructions, track the location of parts and improve shop floor layout and efficiency. In my mind, again, that's very, 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 very MES centric functionality. Detailed work instructions, they could reside in both systems depending upon where you are keeping <laughs> your planning, I guess, as well as routings. Um, but uh, again, this is very interesting and I don't know how they are going to approach it. It's going to have a lot of overlap overall. Okay. So some more commentary. So now they have BMI as well. BMI capabilities, obviously they are very hot, you know, so they are talking about the biggest positive for the transfer was having four decimal places for pricing, four decimal places. And sometimes these ERP systems, they win because they are going to have these unique layers of functionality like four decimal places and they would have built because some industries such as your fastener are going to be requiring that because they are dealing with very expensive and tiny parts so that's why they are going to require that but just because of those capabilities they sometimes win because the other products are going to struggle in those spaces so these are very very unique layers and sometimes i mean these systems are not even going to be erp 
uh, we are just MRP system, but the only reason why they are winning is because this is a compelling pain and they have developed capabilities around that. Our old system only had three. <laughs> and if it was possible, we need five or six. And generally, this is going to be required when you are dealing with either very expensive ingredients, uh, very expensive, uh, you know, uh, materials uh, like diamonds jewelry typically you are going to see uh, the decimal places there uh, this really help our cash flow stay accurate and not get rounded numbers in report uh, so that's why they have used distribution one again in the fastener industry you are going to see this trend a lot that's why they are talking about distribution one i guess uh, cg and uh, bw industrial sales including vendor management, managed inventory, and bulk import capabilities. Okay, 610 right now. Andy, any comments? No, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it was originally common to be for distribution and manufacturing. I think it's very focused distribution. Uh, which one? So these, some of these slides are for the distribution products, some are for manufacturing, and then oh, okay. we are reviewing a vendor that is present in both of those places. Sometimes it could be mixed. Uh, but yeah. again, the intent of this particular session is to provide the general overview of uh, the corporate strategy, and then we are going to be digging into the specific product in the later uh, session, just to clarify. So here, Andy, so this one, just to be clear, I guess this is also uh, coming from the distribution and they are talking about maintains a large inventory of standard products and customizations like special bolt finishes, unique screw coatings and made to print custom machined parts. Made to print is a very unique term that I've <laughs> come across. I don't know, Andy, have you seen that before? Made to print by any chance? Yeah, yeah, that means it's the customer's documents that you're building the product to. And how does it differ from your standard four, I guess? Uh, well, make well make, I mean, uh, companies that are doing make to print don't have their own engineers. They're relying on the customer's engineers and the customer's drawings. Interesting. Okay, so basically what you're trying to say is that this is engineer to order without engineers. Is that fair assessment or? Yeah. But uh -huh. no, 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 no. So, okay, hold on. So here we are talking about the distribution customer. So even though they require a little bit of manufacturing, but this is not a complex manufacturing aspect. Right. And that is probably the reason why they would not have engineers. Is that fair, Andy? Is it? I, I would say so, yeah. I mean, you know, make to print means that customers are giving them the drawings. They, they've designed it. Here it is. Build yeah. it for them. So is it going to be different from made to order? Uh, you know, well, the make to order is make to print is within make to order. Make to order can be engineered order as well. You see, right? I I guess so. My take on this is going to be, I guess, and you are right, I guess, because engineer to order is not going to have as formalized SKUs. In the case no. of your made to order, you have far more formalized SKUs. So yes, this is engineer to order without engineers. Without engineers, exactly. <laughs> They're making it to their engineering spec. But the planning and the processes and SKUs and bombs are going to be very similar. Exactly. Very interesting. Okay, very, very similar. Interesting. Yep, exactly right. Very interesting. Okay. And the large inventory, I mean, yes, you are right, because large inventory is going to be present in your engineer to order as well. So that's why it's very similar. But then you require very deep distribution, very deep manufacturing. It's just that you don't have engineering. So you probably right. don't require as deep coding CPQ process. In the other cases, you are probably going to have far deeper CPQ process, I guess. Right. Exactly. Because, it, it, again, you're taking the material takeoff from your customer. Yeah. 
adding in material uh, labor costs as well, and then coming back with a bid, winning the bid, and designing to their product. So, Andy, in your experience, so uh, who's supplying the inventory? Is it the customer, or typically these uh, distributors are buying that? Very often, in in a print, made to print. It's, yeah. Well, it could be both, but very often it is the customer that's providing, doing the material planning. They're Got doing it. A drop ship to the make to print uh, facility. Got it. So these guys, the only responsibility that they have is, hey, follow the orders. It's almost like, you know, getting products from China, I guess. You're but, right. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. No, but I mean, you don't supply inventory to China because, you know, that's going to be more expensive, I guess, to ship it from here. Right. Unless right. you are shipping a very important part <laughs> that is only available in the U.S. Yeah. So very, very, very interesting business model. So thank you so much, Andy, for those insights. So, but again, this is a very unique space and that's why they were really successful here. And that's a combination of very deep distribution as well as, you know, manufacturing which is a very interesting manufacturing. Unique challenges in their target industries create a need for verticalized software, large inventory, again, very similar processes as your engineer to order. In that also, you are going to have multi-layered bombs. In this case as well, you are probably going to have that because their customers are supplying that, I guess. But these products are commodities. So Andy, I don't know if you're going to have as many layers from the bombs, but maybe you do. Well, yeah, it's going to depend on the on the product. Yeah, right? yeah. What they're what they're designing. Co- commonly, they're not that complicated, but that would be my they case. Could be. Yeah. All right. So let's move on, I guess, to the next slide. So here they are. This is also coming from case study. So this is purchased in 2009, Colorado Industrial Packaging. I, I guess um, is a packaging solutions company. So this case study is coming from packaging solutions company that they have done some work with. And here they are talking about extensive catalog of stock and custom solutions exceeds more than 40,000 individual items to provide a wide range of products and custom solutions to their customers. This is large number of SKUs. This is very similar to your Genius ERP. They were serving in that space as well, but they are far deep into the custom manufacturing space. This is not as custom, I guess, uh, because this is going to have some sort of distribution flavor. So again, every industry is very, very, very different. And here they are talking about 4,000 plus unique custom part numbers for which CIP relies upon ERP-1 to easily generate new part numbers and assemblies. Now, the part number is always a religious topic to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you have to use a part number utility, that means there's something fundamentally wrong about your your, uh, SKUs and bombs. So this is typically a process problem when you require that. In general, you probably should not need In general, when you are going to be on systems like this, they don't have as formalized data model, and that's why they require these custom processes, custom ad hoc process, and because of that, you are going to have a lot of problems when you are going to be owned by private equity uh, or seasoned investors that, that are going to be deep into inventory accounting costing. That's when you are really going to struggle with the core ERP process. You might be able to process your basic transactions, but that's pretty much it on these products because they are not through ERP systems, just to be sure. But again, customers like it because they don't want to change their processes. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to change their SKUs and bombs. They don't understand how ERP systems work. So the only workaround that they have is, hey, give me a part number and I should be good. That's how they typically approach and think. Yeah. And again, when you are going to have such flattened inventory model, you are going to have a lot of issues overall in your business. And generally, I mean, you are going to have slightly more mature capabilities in other ERP systems, such as your metrics inventory or CTO functionality. 
Uh, that's how typically these things are handled. So you don't require part numbers. But the only reason why you are requiring that is because your system is limited. Okay. So we have some more commentary here coming from Husky. And Husky is a massive, massive Ooh. brand. Injection molding. But, you know, obviously you are going to see their logo on their site. But the only thing, only thing that they have done is probably SPC. Okay. Ooh. Which is a very siloed uh, responsibility than doing the whole ERP implementation. So again, read between the lines. Okay. So here they are talking about the world's largest brand name supplier of injection molding equipment and services uses real-time SPC to assure product quality. Okay. And they have implemented WinSPC, which was a very successful product, even among enterprises, to be completely honest. Okay. So WinSPC, Infinity QS, they were both leading names in the SPC SQC space. And that's how they got these massive logos. It is not because of their WMS ERP capability. Uh, they are talking about production changes quickly, such as switching from a five feature inspection to 30. And typically, that's the role of your SPC SQC process. Uh, to do real-time quality, increasing the quality touches that you are going to have, doing more data collection, improving processes. Typically, this is driven by lean consultants. They love SPC just because it gives them a lot more data points overall. You know, it's empirical too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You are so right. So, yeah, I don't have anything else here. Andy, any more comments? No, just uh, it, it is interesting how the how how these stories they're really focusing on specific functionality, and it doesn't really seem to be. I mean, these specific uh, silos are probably good. I'm not sure if it comes in as much as a robust system. No, I mean they are definitely robust for those patches. Now, mm, when you are right. going to have slightly more diversified business model, good luck with that. Because they were designed for fastener, just fastener. Okay, if you are doing pure play fastener, good. <laughs> okay, now you have fastener plus, I don't know, maybe a little bit of uh, engineering to order manufacturing. It's probably not going to work. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, you are going to have real issues. Um, okay, so here we have, uh, you know, seen some very unique, uh, you know, terms that they have used, which I personally have not seen. Uh, Andy, maybe you have seen. So they have <laughs> used the term called sharp shooter okay and here as part of sharpshooter what they are doing is track raw materials work in process manufacturing goods and purchase supplies in real time utilizing the latest scanning technologies of wireless rfid text and or barcodes in my mind that is coming from your wms ecosystem they would use that you know for the guns uh, you know because of the rfid mobility system yeah exactly Exactly, exactly. Uh, but again, I mean, when you look at their capabilities, they are all over the place because they are literally trying to consolidate everything <laughs> as part of one fold. Now, working process, they have by scanning special barcoded WIP text to streamline the process for raw material, roll stock, as well as sheets and other materials. Again, when you get into rolls, sheets, all of those verticals, it's very, very, very unique verticals. The kind of unit of measures that you are going to see there, <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It becomes very difficult to manage that. So that's why they were doing really well in that roll space, paper, you know, in sheet space. Uh, even sheet and roll could differ a lot, uh, you know, overall from the ERP process. Then they are talking about direct uh, machine interface. Improve the productivity of your manufacturing process by connecting directly to all types of production equipment uh, through a family of machine data terminals. So they are doing a lot in that, uh, you know, IoT industry 4.0 space. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it from my More or less MES, right? Uh, I mean, if you look at 
DMI. Page. So you have MES right here. <laughs> you have WMS right here. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit of ERP here, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are obviously all over the place uh, <laughs> uh, in their capabilities. Now, some reviews, okay? So this is coming from Google. Um, mm-hmm. And so some commentary from our side. So private equity will never be able to provide the same experience that a mom and pop vendor would, and that's true as well, okay? Uh, so mom and pop solutions owned by private equity is much worse than a solution mm-hmm. from a large OEM or mom and pop okay so when you have mom and pop uh, if you want to buy a mom and pop erp buy from mom and pop they are great because they can provide the service that nobody else in the world can provide to be completely right. honest okay or buy larger solution you know I, I think these guys are trying to play in between again that's where i'm confused that okay how private equity is going to be successful in this market vertical that's not right for them to be completely honest uh, so here they are saying four days ago their area of expertise is providing an uplift in pricing for the inferior support they now have. The only reason why these customers won in this particular space is because the mom and pop were able to provide the support that any of the large vendors will never be able. Even the consulting companies cannot provide that (laughs) because that's not financially realistic. The only reason why mom and pop were able to provide is because number one, they were hiring interns and number two, they were putting a lot of sweat equity. (laughs) Those are the only two. Weekends and evenings. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But now private equity can never match that. so manager tell me, okay, what we are contractually obligated to pay for their new e-com pro product, yet they aren't contractually obligated to ensure that it works properly. Again, you get into the real legal issues here. Okay, they don't care. Their goal is to sell the licenses. So be super careful uh, in dealing with private equity in general. It hasn't performed as promised since we started using it. They are tarnishing DDI's name and reputation. And I completely agree with this review to be completely honest. Then the second review, this also coming from two months ago. Okay, this all changed in the last, you know, six months to a year. And we have interviewed a lot of customers and they are super frustrated with this transition. And mm. that's natural. The only reason you were getting that support is because of the sweat equity of the founders. But in reality, this is what software costs. So get used to paying it or don't use software. <laughs> okay, I mean, software is supposed to cost that much. The only companies that can provide you that kind of support are going to be mom and pop. Um, that is the only possible. We started with DDI and had a fantastic customer experience. Yes, if you're looking to purchase a Dantef software, I would run. That was the customer thing. Okay, it takes <laughs> months for a response to a question. I completely mm. believe this. DDI would respond by the end of the day, which is true as well. Uh, you know, I don't understand how customer service isn't a priority. Customer service is not supposed to be free. Sorry. You are probably paying $10,000 for the implementation and zero for support. So, and IT is expensive. So, you're not going to get that support. Uh, if you want to talk about cost, um, you know, whatever they quote you, you can count on an increase immediately. It used to cost $150 to upgrade. Can you believe this? <laughs> $150 to upgrade. And now um, it costs $400. <laughs> which is nothing for software. No, it's like a. <laughs> Don't, you know, there's no difference between 150 and 400. Exactly, exactly. But they are complaining about that. So this is the kind of segment that they were targeting. Imagine, I mean, for them, 150 to 400 dollars is a huge lift. Again, this space is 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 T5ish in my mind. Right. It doesn't really say what size of company these are either. 
Oh, these are very small indeed. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody be. is going to have time to write review. <laughs> yeah, on complaining about four hundred dollars. They are even close to let's say four five million dollars. Uh, these are very small companies. Yeah. So four months ago, okay, we used ZDI Inform and oh, had a boy. great experience with them. Since Adantev, uh, you know, took over support is terrible. It takes them months to reply to some cases. Their customer service is awful. They promise things and never pull through. I would personally not recommend any software they own, and which is true as well. Okay, so this is not going to be just with DDI or any other product. This is going to be across the board that the software that they are owning. So you need to be probably careful with that. Uh, okay, now uh, here she's she's complaining that. I have never worked with a company that does not get back to you about billing questions. Can you believe this? Okay. For months, they took over DDI Inform. It has been no communication, even when emailing and asking for confirmation of receipt of emails. The price that you are paying, it's almost like QuickBooks. And QuickBooks is going to have really bad support as well because you are not paying for support. Right. But in the case of ERP, it's supposed to be self-sufficient. Far more than that. I mean, there's no way yeah. you can handle that on your own. Okay, accounting is very easy, but ERP systems are supposed to be difficult. So you definitely require consulting support and help there. So make sure you pay for that. Again, nobody can support this. Nobody can provide you free support. Simple as that. Now, here they are talking about we were dealing with Advanceware. And since Advent, uh, Adventive uh, has taken them over, the service is absolutely horrible. So this is not just one product across the product categories. Everybody's complaining. They have been waiting for over a year to get support on an upgrade. They did and does not work. Can you believe this? Uh, okay, it's crazy. And they are not accountable for that. Uh, okay, sometimes there are going to be layers in the contract that you need to be skilled in reading through that. Uh, because again, these software contracts are extremely crafty. You don't know what you are getting into. And even if you go to the court, you're not going to get anything out of it. <laughs> I promise this. So again, the best recommendation that I could have is just stay away. Um, okay, so that's pretty much it. Hey, you know, uh, I, I hope the price point on this product is low. Um, I don't know. Do you know what the price point is, Sam? That's going to be very similar to ECI, you know, ProShop, all of these companies, okay. you know. Okay, um, so yeah. fairly, fairly low. Really, T5 segment is what we are looking at. Yeah, I mean, every one of the, every one of the customer summaries or reviews were complaining about the support of yeah. the company since they've been sold. Uh, I, I, you know, unless they change their model, it, it's likely not going to them. I don't know how private equity is going to make money. I mean, if they hire real engineers and provide support and, you know, no, these guys no. were used to paying $400. How do they you provide support in that? Down. Exactly. <laughs> How do you, yeah. I mean, the only reason why mom and pop were able to do this because they were hoping for exit and they were working night and day. That's <laughs> they right. They were not sleeping. <laughs> but Nearly it's not financially so, But they made it. Yeah. <laughs> so software costs money and, you know, and I don't know, I mean, if I have the real answer and that's why mom and pop wins, but mom and pop solution owned by private equity, I don't know how successful that is going to be, but very interesting. Well, that's, you know, there's a thousand systems out there. Every one of them make the same old claims, you know, speak to references. That's what we always say. Exactly. Any more comments, Andy? No. All right, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every uh, Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. And next week, we are probably not going to have the session. So maybe the following week. So mm -hmm. I'll see you all that week. On that note, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. 
It's T-H-E-C-L-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to ESoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.